0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms.
1: Will there be a chance that if people are left behind that they can still be saved? Yes and no, and I'll explain why I say that. And i got to be really careful here lest I be misunderstood. Yes, but it's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your head. I heard one say it this way, if you're not going to live for Christ before the seven year tribulation, what makes you think you're willing to die for Christ in the seven year tribulation?
0: While no one knows exactly when the great tribulation will occur, scripture makes it very clear that this event will be unmistakable. Unfortunately, there are those who say that when this event occurs, then they'll choose Christ. However, as Pastor JD teaches in his message today, Choosing to live for Christ now will be much easier than dying for Him during that terrible time. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 110 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: In Hierapolis, which is mentioned in the book of Acts, they had these beautiful, I mean, just stunning, natural hot springs. And so Laodicea was so wealthy, they built this aqueduct system to get the natural hot springs from Hierapolis to route it down to Laodicea so they too could have these hot springs in Laodicea. The only problem was by the time the hot springs got to Laodicea, it wasn't hot anymore. It was lukewarm. And so Jesus makes reference to this and says, Oh, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but you're not. You're lukewarm. And it's really strong in the original. It's not spit you out of my mouth. I want to vomit you out of my mouth. You make me sick. It's nauseating. I mean, that's pretty strong, right? And this is the church. This is a church. They called themselves Christians. And Jesus is on the outside knocking to get in. So this is chapters 2 and 3. And this is important for this reason. Because from chapter 4 verse 1 on through the end of the book in Revelation chapter 22 is all future. So chapter 1 is past. Chapters 2 and 3 present. Chapter 4 on is all future. And what does chapter 4 verse 1 say? Basically, here's a paraphrase. John, at the sound of a trumpet, is told to come up hither. After these things, chapter 4 verse 1, metatauta, John hears the sound of a trumpet, and he's told to come up hither. I would submit That is the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ, chapter 4 and 5. Okay, now, here's an interesting side note. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I am firmly convinced without even an iota of a doubt that the rapture of the church absolutely must happen before the seven-year tribulation. It's because of this divine outline in the book of Revelation. So here it is. The word church is mentioned 19 times in chapters 1, 2, and 3. You know how many times the word church is found from chapter 4 verse 1 on? Thank you. Zero. Nada. Not there. Why? Because chapter 4 verse 1, John is caught up, and now everything he writes about is that which is to come, metatauta, after these things. Oh, what does he write about? Ooh, Chapter 6 through 19, the seven-year tribulation. Have you read chapter 6 through 19 of Revelation? Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's all about the horrors of the judgment in the wrath of God during the seven-year tribulation. And did you know that the word church is not mentioned one time in chapter 6 through 19? Why? Because it's all about the tribulation, and the church doesn't go through the seven-year tribulation. So that's chapter 6 through 19. Chapter 20, the millennium, the kingdom age, that 1,000 year rule and reign where we reign with Christ here on earth. And get this, and this, this jams people's gears and it's kind of an <laughs> interesting study and maybe another uh, topic for another time. But the earth will be what it was like before sin entered the world with Adam and Eve. I wonder what Hawaii's going to look like. That's what for 1,000 years the earth is going to look at. Now, we're going to have our glorified bodies during this 1,000 year reign. And by the way, and I don't want to get too um, discombobulated here, but there is a reference in chapter 6 through 19, I, I can't recall the chapter off the top of my head, where we affectionately refer to them as the tribulation saints. These are the ones that are martyred for their faith, beheaded, for their witness and their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. They are not the bride. It is so important to make that distinction. They they will be in heaven. They will be in eternity future. They will be in the millennium, but they are not the bride seated on the throne. They are saved servants at the throne. They're not the bride seated on the throne. They're the saved saints serving at the throne. There is such an important distinction to be made. So in other words, will there be a chance that if people are left behind that they can still be saved? Yes and no. And I'll explain why I say that. And I've got to be really careful here lest I be misunderstood. Yes, but it's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your head. I heard one say it this way, If you're not going to live for Christ before the seven-year tribulation, what makes you think you're willing to die for Christ in the seven-year tribulation? So someone flippantly, cavalierly says, well, listen, if the rapture happens and you guys are taken up, I'll pretty much be able to put two and two together and I'm just going to get saved. How do you know? How do you know? How are you going (laughs) to? Okay, well... I I sure hope so. You know, a lot of Christians uh, make up these rapture boxes. I have one in my house. So after we're gone, I've got a Bible, of course. I have years of prophecy updates. No, I don't. (laughs) But I have some uh, very interesting material in there that explains what happened to us. I had somebody uh, ask me, well, what should you put in the rapture box? Actually, you can go online, do a search, rapture box. What to put in the rapture box? Uh, we had an online member that actually made rapture boxes and sent me one. I said, <laughs> That's my rapture box. You can't have it. So, but uh, it's it's so cool, made out of wood, and uh, you know, it's, it's, you slide open the top, and in it are all of the uh, materials for uh, those who are left behind. And don't think for a second that God won't get them to that location to find that box for those that are left behind. I would encourage you to maybe think about having a rapture box for those uh, that are left behind. So, Where were we? We're, uh, still in the tribulation. I'd like to get out of the tribulation. Would, would you? Okay. So why don't we start at the beginning since I kind of went off a little bit here. So chapter one, past tense. Chapters two and three, present tense, church age. Chapter four and five, the rapture. Chapter six through 19, the seven year tribulation. Chapter 20, the millennium, that one thousand year reign. Chapters 21 and 22, eternity future, the new heavens, and the new earth. Oh my goodness, that's the book of Revelation. One more thing. Did I already say one more thing? Okay, this will be one more, last one more thing, okay? So this is really interesting. Um, In fact, Chuck Missler, uh, who's now with the Lord, uh, I'll never forget, he, he told me this. This was many years ago, and since then, they have, Bible scholars have learned that it's even more now. But at the time, Chuck Mister told me that it was something like 90% of the book of Revelation was a direct reference to passages in the Old Testament. Now, I was uh, searching online uh, a while back and someone suggested that the entire book is actually a reference to the entire Old Testament. In other words, everything in the book of Revelation has its reference in the Old Testament, which is really interesting, makes sense to me. Because they, they had to write, John was inspired to write by the Holy Spirit in such a way that the persecuted saints at the time would understand it, and no one else would. That's why it is, I believe, that Satan has duped, lied, deceived people into thinking, Christians in particular, that the book of Revelation is a really hard book to understand. It is not. It is a powerful book. It is a profound book, and it's a blessing book. The only book in all the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible that promises a blessing, why is the one who reads, hears, and takes to heart the book of Revelation blessed? Because it brings to the forefront the imminence of Jesus Christ's return for His church, His bride, and, I hope this doesn't come off wrong, but the ensuing judgment that will come upon this world, and it must and not a moment too soon, rightfully so, as God has the final word. If you're anything like me, and I suspect you are, and this will be the last thing, we'll move on to Psalm 111. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, it's really getting increasingly more difficult seemingly by the day to see evil prosper in this ever-darkening world. Some of the things that you hear about that is taking place, one example we talk about it uh, often is infanticide, abortion. I mean just the unspeakable evil and knowing that God is going to have the final word and God in the end is going to judge this evil world, it brings a solace, a consolation, a reconciliation, a settling of sorts that, okay, because I would go out of my mind if this evil went unchecked, God's going to judge. God's going to judge. And that day is coming, the day, the great day of His wrath. Psalm 111. This one starts off a little bit uh, nicer. <laughs> praise the Lord. Okay, I, I could use a praise the Lord right now. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. That's where I want to be. The sanctuary in the assembling together of God's people. The works, verse 2, of the Lord are great studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant, He has declared to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of His hands, verse 7, are verity and justice. All His precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy, I love this. Give, give me a moment, just indulge me for a moment. Holy and awesome is His name. I, You'll forgive me, but, and I've shared this before, but I just have, and this is me maybe, but I just have a problem with how we have hijacked. I know Arabs shouldn't use the word hijack, but how we have hijacked the word awesome and profaned it. And by profane I mean we've made it common. Oh, you're awesome. Wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. It doesn't say that. It says he's awesome. That's awesome. Really? Well, that would be awesome. Well, wow, awesome man. No, no, not awesome man. Awesome God. God is awesome. Holy and awesome. You'll forgive me, but I don't think the word awesome should be used in any other context other than to describe the nature of who God is. He is awesome. We we are... What does awesome mean? Simply put to just be in awe. I know this is a silly way to illustrate it, but you're just going, oh, oh, to be in awe. I told you that was silly. Probably never use that again, given that response. (laughs) We're going to talk about verse 10, when we get to Psalm 112. Listen to this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We'll talk about the fear of the Lord and what it means to fear, be in awe of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. So interesting psalm again, they're all interesting, but Psalm 111 is another one of those psalms that is written in the form of an acrostic, meaning that every line in the psalm begins with a consecutive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now why? Because acrostic psalms made it so much easier for the reader, the singer of the song, to be able to memorize it. Actually this is a technique that, (laughs) I'm sorry I'm going to use the word hijacked again, that the secular world has hijacked from God. This is a very effective memorization technique. By creating an acrostic, that's how you can remember. In fact, as uh, many years ago when I was a relatively young believer, I memorized all of the names of the books of the Bible using an acrostic, nonsensical, it didn't, you know, form a word. But so like, for example, the first five books of Moses, gelmed Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, gelmed So all through both Old and New Testament, I took the first letter of each of the books of, the names of the books of the Bible, and I was able, using that acrostic, to memorize all of the books of the Bible. Don't ask me to do it right now, because <laughs> I don't work that well under pressure, maybe. Now I, I want to do it, but I won't. I'll spare you of the butchering of it. But actually, uh, it, I, get, I get a little bit uh, mixed up when I get into the minor prophets. So anyway, but that's that's an interesting and effective technique for memorization. And that was kind of the point. That's how they would memorize, but maybe even more important, meditate on the Word of God. I think memorization is very important. But sometimes we can, for lack of a better way of saying it, become too bookish. And by that I mean we memorize the Scripture, but we don't really meditate on the Scripture. I was uh, thinking when my boys were little and I had uh, the church that I planted on the mainland. We had uh, during our midweek Bible study an awana charter, and my uh, son Elias at the time was a cubby, and so I would always, uh, you know, we had the memorization verse that I would try to, you know, because if he if he got that verse memorized, then he would get, you know, the stamps and the badges and the awards, and you know, so <laughs> really interesting trying to teach a kinesthetic. Child to memorize. He would have to jump all over the place, and that was the only way he could memorize scripture. But it was only memorization. You could recall it, you could memorize it, but what about the application of that which you have committed to memorization? Would you agree that the application is more important than the memorization? The memorization's great but it should always lead to the application and even the meditation of that which is committed to memorization. It's been said that knowledge is just information, but wisdom is the application of that information. So in other words, we can have all of these, you know, verses memorized, but there needs to be this personal application made of those verses, to our lives. Maybe better said, they need to be indelibly written on the tablets of our hearts. This is what Proverbs 7 verses 1 through 3 says, My son, keep my words, and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them, on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 3 verses 1 through 3. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for the length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. I I want all of those. Did you just see that list right there? Length of days, that means your, your life is blessed. I mean, not necessarily you're going to live to be a 221 years old, but that your life is full, fulfilled, length of days, long life, and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck like a, a necklace, an ornament. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 23. My son keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. This was what my wife always used to quote when she would do devotions with the boys. (laughs) Do not forsake the law of your mother. It's a very powerful uh, proverb. Verse 21, bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you, and when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Reminds me of Psalm 119, where David says, Your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, and a
0: light unto my path. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.